mobile phones, laptops, tablets, and everything in between. This is Sean and Sean, and you're listening to the Silicon Theory Podcast. Greetings, fellow tech seekers, and welcome to another episode of the Silicon Theory Podcast. I am Sean, your host and moderator this evening, and with me, as always, Sean P. Say hello, Sean P. What's happening, guys? Today, we're going to discuss the OnePlus 5. Consider this your official review from Silicon Theory on this device. We have it in front of us as we are recording this, so I am going to talk to Sean P. about his weekish week. How long have you had it now? A little over a week. A little over a week. I'm going to ask Sean P. his impressions in five different categories with his week's hands-on time with the device, and we will give you the final rundown on whether or not you need to possess this this phone from OnePlus. So let's uh, let's dive right in. You ready, my man? Yeah, for reference, everyone, this is the 8GB Midnight Black 128GB variant that we have. And I will, for reference point, be fondling it a little bit while we have this discussion and Sean talks. So if uh, I tune out at any point, I apologize. But without further ado, let's dive in. So let's take a look at the first item on our review criteria, and that is display or screen. What do you think, Sean? The display is really good. It's a 1080p AMOLED, and some people were disappointed that it's not a 1440p screen. But in my time with it, it's bright. I like the color temperature. It's a little cool. It's about 8,000K, so it's a little bit bluish. But to my eyes, it looks really good. The auto brightness has been fairly accurate. It keeps the screen where you would want it to be. Uh, I've left the color uh, mode in the default mode right now. It hasn't caused me any issues whatsoever. Viewing angles are good. Um, it's not as good as the best Samsung panels. If you get it side by side with the Galaxy S8 Plus, which is what I have right now, the Galaxy S8 Plus looks ever so slightly better, gets ever so slightly brighter, perhaps. But I don't think this is much of a compromise. It's a great screen. I'm picky. It looks good. We know now it's the exact same part as the OnePlus 3T screen. They didn't change much, if anything. We don't really know if it has some updated parts, but it's it's great. We're kind of discussing things on a, on a one to five scales, what we decided to do for our reviews, and I would give the screen a four. Solid four, huh? Yeah, I, I think that as far as screens go, the Samsungs are like the five. That's the pinnacle right at this moment. I think for LCDs, the Apple panels are the best. I would give those a four and a half. I think this is a little bit of a step behind that. I think the LG G6 panel looks a little bit better. I think the Pixel panel maybe looks a little bit better, but there's nothing there's nothing wrong with this at all. Uh, the added advantage to a 1080p screen is you get better battery life, and it's less work on the GPU, so you get better performance in games and whatnot, depending on the game. All things considered, I think OnePlus did the right thing here. I, I haven't missed having a 1440p panel at all using this phone. And I'm looking at it right now, and it does... Uh, it's You can tell it's not quite as sharp as my Pixels panel, say, for example, but it's pretty darn close. I'd have to agree, just in my brief time in looking at it, it seems fine. Uh, we're not going to be the kind that sit down and take giant macros and show you the pentile display and kind of poo-poo it based on that. We're going to give you some real-world assessments, and I've been spending five or six minutes with it, and I think I'd be okay with it too. Uh, it looks like it's plenty bright uh, in the indoors, so I would imagine outdoor is good too, you think? 
It's fun. It, it, it kicks up brightness a little bit. As I said, the auto brightness is actually pretty good on this phone. It's not as bright as the Samsung is when it ramps up the auto brightness, but the Samsung panels are the best panels. Samsung keeps them for themselves. And the reality is out in the daylight, out in the sun, when I was taking pictures and testing some things, it was bright enough for me to see without any issues. For me, that's enough. That sounds like a good plan. Speaking of battery life, let's talk about that as the second price or excuse me, second uh, point of the review. What uh, what kind of battery life have you been seeing with it? I, I'm going to give this one a little bit of an incomplete, and the reason I say that is I've been using this on Wi-Fi. I have not put a SIM in it. It's my friend's phone, so I primarily just been using it around the house, setting it up, taking pictures. The battery life is really good. Um, when I was out taking pictures for the better part of an hour. And taking pictures is a, t- is a battery-consuming activity. It really is ramping up the CPU. I mean, you can feel the phone even get a little bit warm as you're doing things because it, it really is putting a lot of pressure on things. And the battery didn't waver hardly at all. When I was setting it up, it drains very, very slowly at idle. It doesn't seem to go down hardly at all. I think it's a combination of factors that probably speak to the to the excellent battery life I'm seeing, which is, again, at the house here, it's on Wi-Fi 1, so that's helping. You're running basically stock Android, and the battery management seems to be really, really good. The Snapdragon 835 on every device I've used it on, including my Galaxy S8, is a good processor as far as battery is concerned. The standby is solid and in use. It doesn't seem to eat that much up. Even when I was setting the phone up, it didn't really eat that much battery. So this is a little bit of an incomplete. Based on my usage, I'd give it probably like a 4.5 out of 5. It's been quite excellent. Hmm. Who knows if you were actually using it, if you were out and about, I think that would change probably a lot if you had a SIM in there, depending on what network you are, depending on your network strength, etc. So it's difficult for me to gauge entirely, but stock Android, 1080p screen, my time with it, very, very solid battery life. The standby is excellent. Overnight, you're losing a percent or two, so Doze is doing its thing. And in use, it, it does not, it seems to be pretty frugal on battery. And you think that could be a combination also of, what's the battery size again, remind me? 3300 mAh, which people were disappointed in. It's a little bit smaller than the 3T was, which was 3400 mAh. But the S835 is a, from a power standpoint, seems to be a lot better than the S820 and A21. So in my experience, from again, standby and in use, it eats battery a lot less than last year's phones. I was impressed. I'm impressed. Always a good thing. And speaking of that uh, combination of a size of battery along with the new Snapdragon 835 from Qualcomm, our third point of the review is performance. What is day-to-day performance like when using the phone? Performance, I give it a 5 out of 5. The 3 last year, I used the OnePlus 3, and I think I said at the time it was the fastest phone that I'd ever used, fastest Android phone. And... I would say that holds true this year for me with the 5. It's the fastest Android phone I've used. Maybe the Pixel in day-to-day use is the next closest thing for me, and and they might be about equal, but it feels telepathically fast when you do things. Compared to the Galaxy S8 Plus, it's quicker at almost everything. Um, When you swipe into Google Now, when you open the settings, when you install applications, when you open applications, virtually anything you do, it's the quicker phone. And it, it feels just fast all the time. Again, as far as Android phones are concerned, I don't think I've ever used one that's consistently this quick. 
Um, we've seen some videos now of people putting it head to head with the iPhone 7 in those tests where they open a series of apps and they do a lap and then they do a second lap and open a series of apps again. And it actually beat the iPhone, which is the first time I've ever seen an Android phone do that in God years. And that's a combination of the 8 gig of RAM is certainly helping there. Um, but the optimizations that OnePlus has done, this is their shining strength to me, is their, their, their ROM Oxygen OS is excellent. It has really nice tweaks. You can make changes. It reminds you a lot of the custom ROMs back in the day where you can make appearance tweaks and do some cool things. They really give you a lot of options. But at its core, it's stock Android, and you get all the advantages of that. So from a performance standpoint, it's definitely faster than the Samsungs of the world, including the newest Samsungs, and faster than the LG G6 in my experience. And besides the Pixel, I've, I've not used anything faster. Pretty remarkable, all things being equal, considering that A, the Pixel has been extensively optimized by Google to work exceptionally well with their OS. And as you say, any Android phone that can compete and or beat an iPhone in terms of actual performance on a day-to-day -day basis is kind of almost unheard of, really. I think the iPhone, as pretty much everybody knows, because of their custom chip architecture and the, the way that uh, iOS works with being a closed system, Apple controls everything, and so they can control your experience, and they do a really good job at that. And it looks like uh, stock Android, I got to be honest with you, I've been playing around with it while Sean was talking. It, it very much resembles stock Android in a lot of ways. Now, I haven't seen the additional features that are on top, but looking at the notification tray, looking at the app drawer, looking at the way that the OS performs, uh, even down to the little carrot arrow, uh, it points up and down when you're launching the drawer up or the app drawer down. It's pretty, it's pretty silky smooth. I, I don't notice any difference. And certainly I think that anybody who used this phone on a day-to-day -day basis would be incredibly happy. Um, and just as a side note, uh, the case that we have on it is this uh, sandstone looking case, but I'm looking at the bottom of the device in this matte black color and it is, it's damn sexy. It's really sexy. Yeah, I saw a guy on one of the forums I'm on, he bought one of these and he described it as a Pixel XL with a slightly lower quality screen and a slightly lower quality camera, but and a front-facing fingerprint scanner, uh, but way less expensive and you can actually buy it, which is, but you know, yeah, there you go. I would say that's basically true for me. It feels a lot like a Pixel XL, only it's in a smaller Svelter package with the fingerprint scanner on the front, and there are some areas where it's not the, you know, the camera's not quite as good. We'll get to that in a second. And the screen maybe is not quite as good, but otherwise, it, as far as performance goes, it, it, it's the only thing that's close in the Android land. I mean, that's pretty impressive, all things being equal, because we've had an opportunity to use, for example, the Galaxy S8 Plus, which is, again, using the Snapdragon 835, again, carrying uh, six gigs of RAM on board. So It's four gigs of RAM, oh. actually. The the But... It doesn't matter. It's slower. My phone feels fast in and of itself when I'm using it. And I'm just using the S8, the S8 Plus. It feels plenty fast. But when I put it next to the OnePlus 5 and start doing things, it's like maybe not so much after all. The OnePlus 5 is just quicker at everything. It's very impressive from a performance standpoint. High praise indeed. So let's get to the elephant in the room and kind of the major sticking point for most of the other sites that have reviewed this device so far. And that is the dual camera setup on the OnePlus 5. What has been your experience with it? The camera's okay. I would give it a three and a half out of five right hmm. now. So the deal with the camera is this. 
it's very fast. It takes pictures. Like you hit the button, it's instantaneous. Very, very fast. But I went around and took a, a series of pictures in the exact same place at the exact same time with the Galaxy S8, a variety of different situations. I was trying to get bright light, shadow, kind of combination of each, get macro shots, try to give it a, a little bit of a challenge. I took a series of 14, 15 pictures, and to my eyes, the Galaxy S8 Plus picture looked noticeably better in every single situation. There's already been two updates for this phone since I've had it, the OnePlus 5. Both of them have listed camera optimizations amongst the things that they've added. When I actually have used the camera after the updates, I'm not noticing a ton of difference personally. Hmm. Um, I would say the pictures are over-processed right now. They're over-sharpened. Hmm. But they also just don't look as good. And I, I'm not enough of a photographer. You know, I'm not a photographer. I don't have any kind of professional eye. So this is more of a layperson's, you know, opinion. But when I look at them side by side, the Galaxy S8 Plus pictures look sharper. They look brighter. The exposure is better. The details better. Um, in virtually every picture I took, I felt that way. Here's the good news. The pictures on the OnePlus 5 are still very good. If you use this as your primary camera, you're fine. Especially in good lighting, it really takes very good pictures. In uh, the dark, it, it's not quite, it, it's a little grainy to me, and I think that may be because it doesn't have OIS. So, and, and the processing too is a little bit overdone. I think the combination of those two things makes it look a little bit grainy to my eyes sometimes. So. The Galaxy S8 Plus takes better photos, but the OnePlus 5 is a very serviceable camera. We've said this a couple times too, this hardware that they use is very high quality stuff as far as the optics are concerned. So I do believe that they will be able to improve the image quality by changing some of the processing over time, hopefully. I actually saw someone that installed the Google camera on this and they were you know, comparing it and the pictures taken on the same phone with a different, just the different processing, the Google pictures look noticeably better. Hmm. I think it was actually the Google camera. I'm not sure if they had it rooted or what they were doing, and I believe that's what it was, but you can tell it's a processing issue right now. And they just, it's over aggressive and it, it just doesn't look quite natural. Very, very fast on the upside. You can use it as your primary shooter, but it's definitely a tier two camera. Of cameras that I've personally used, I would put it behind. The Pixel, I would put it behind the Galaxy S8 Plus, I would put it behind the iPhones of the world, and I would put it behind the G6. Even compared to my wife's Huawei Mate 9, I'd probably put it like a half step behind that too. Mm. I think I'd give hers like a four out of five or you know somewhere in that neighborhood, and this is a, a step below that in my opinion. But you can use this as your primary camera, it works fine, it's just not as good as the top tier cameras. OnePlus made a big deal about this, so of course that's going to be a, a point of emphasis that everyone's kind of looking at. It's kind of bizarre to me that they went through all the trouble to point out the camera over and over again when it really it doesn't stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with the best right now. But it's good. You're not going to be disappointed. You can use it as your daily driver. That's kind of way, the way it is right now. I think it will get better. And that is uh, something that I think that a lot of people have had a similar experience with. Most of the major review sites have said that the camera is inconsistent uh, at worst and good-ish at best. And I think that the real world case use for most people, again, is that the camera is probably serviceable enough where in using it in day-to-day, -day, 
you're probably not going to notice much. You're probably not going to miss much. If you have someone in your life who has one of these other higher end devices, then yeah, their camera is going to be better. Uh, what's a conservative estimate on how many people that Samsung has working on their camera systems in their phone? I would have to imagine they have more people working just on processing than OnePlus probably has in their whole company. Yeah. So it's not a surprise then that the OnePlus camera doesn't stack up with the major player cameras. No, and they partnered with the Exomark and then they did some things and the camera's fine. It's just not as good as the others. I will say this, if you do a lot of video, however, the video quality definitely is a step behind, mm. in my experience. And without OIS, that could be problematic. And that's why. It doesn't have OIS. They're using EIS, but it's not as good as what Google's using in the Pixel. And again, that's to be expected. They don't have the resources that other companies have. If you do a lot of video, if you do 1080p video, it does okay. If you do 4K video, forget it right now. It's just not there. They're going to do an update. They've already said. They've confirmed. They will kind of improve the, the stability of that. Still pictures, fine. You can use your daily driver. You're good. If you shoot video and it's 1080p, you're fine. It's, it's good. If you're shooting 4K or you really are a, someone who wants to shoot high-quality video, however... I would maybe look elsewhere, actually, if that's your main thing. And I can't imagine that is for most people. I think the actual still camera is the more important piece. Fair point. And for there, it's good. It's a good camera. Not great. Any final words before we move on to overall value? No, not on the camera. I think we can move on overall. All right. Let's talk about it. What do you think, and considering, again, our test device is the 8 gig of memory, 128 gig storage, matte black version, it retails for 539 There is another SKU that has 6 gigs of RAM and 64 gigs of base storage that retails for 479 Let's start with the device that we currently have and have been testing. What is the? What do you say the overall value of this OnePlus 5 is? The 128 gig, 8 gig version that we have now, I would give a 3.5 on the value scale, which probably seems harsh. Here's why that is. Here's what you're getting, first of all. This phone's very strong in a number of ways. The design has been kind of ripped for being derivative of the iPhone 7. I think ripped, when you said that you were being a little bit harsh, I think ripped for the design is probably being too mild, in fact, if anything. It's very close to the iPhone 7 design, but if you're going to steal, steal it from the best. Apple oh. makes great phones, and this phone has a lot of things going for it in the design department. The Midnight Black is really quite striking. It is damn sexy. I, I'm not going to lie. Like if, if I was going to get one, I would definitely get this variant. Color alone, even if the camera was garbage, the color of it alone sells it. Compared to the 5.5-inch Pixel XL that we were comparing before we went on air here, it is uh, thinner, lighter. It is. It is. Um, despite having the same size screen. The, the quality feels very sturdy to me. It's you know, high-quality metal build. It's light. Um, the fingerprint scanner is lightning fast. I took my fingerprint off of there, but when I was using it, it's the fastest fingerprint scanner I've ever used, and it doesn't miss. And I think there were some concerns with the 16.9 screen and the bezels top and bottom that it kind of it looks outdated compared to the LG G6 and the Galaxy S8 because the bezel-less design's kind of taken off. But in my use, it didn't bother me for one second while I was using it. When you put it side by side with one of those phones, sure, you look at it and go, yeah, this phone definitely has more bezel than those do. But when you're using it, it's a non-issue. So from that standpoint, 
I think it stands toe to toe with the others for the most part. It's a great, well designed, well built phone. The reason I'm only giving it three and a half is it costs five hundred and thirty nine dollars for the eight gig, hundred twenty eight gig variant. When you're looking at the history of the OnePlus phones, I think my personal opinion is the two best values are the OnePlus One, which retailed for two hundred ninety nine dollars at the time, and then the OnePlus Three last year, which retailed for three hundred ninety nine dollars. When I used the OnePlus 3 last year for $399, it was as good as anything else I had to use all year. I mean, it was ridiculously fast. It beat my Note 5 virtually everything. Camera wasn't quite as strong, but in performance, battery life, etc., it was great. So at that point, for $399, it's like we're kind of talking half. For $539 for this phone, though, now, you're creeping up into that area a lot more, so I think the value proposition is less. When you're talking about the 6 gigabyte variant with 64 gigabyte memory for $479 though, I'd probably give it a four and a half in the value scale. And the way I'm coming to that conclusion is, for most people, that phone is overkill. Nothing else really has 6 gigabytes of RAM on the market, let alone 8. So I think you're going to be get the same performance as this phone, the more expensive one, only you're spending $60 less, and in the $479 price bracket, nothing touches it. Yeah, there's nothing really at, at that sub-500 price point that's even close in terms of what you're getting for it, which again is top-of-the-line specs, a really good screen, really good, per, excellent performance, very good battery life-ish maybe, probably, especially on a GSM. I, I can't imagine that it's probably that much different. If it was available on Verizon, their CDMA LTE technology would kill the battery for sure. But if you're on T-Mobile or AT&T, this phone probably is going to get very good battery life, good camera. Um, and, and I think that that 64 gig storage is, is really kind of the sweet spot, especially with 6 gig of RAM for basically stock Android and some really good extra goodies like we haven't even talked about things like the alert slider which are awesome and mm -hmm. I think should be incorporated into many different Android phones um, I, I, I tend to agree with you almost entirely and I think I said on our initial pod during the launch announcement that I think that the 64 gig version was really the sweet spot and that the 539 price point for the 128 gig variant was a little too high now we're not going to see sales numbers from OnePlus. We're not going to know how many of these have sold, but I'm going to guess they're going to sell a lot of them, but I think not as many as if they had priced it down a little bit less. And when I'm grading the value, I'm grading it for just the average cell phone user. If you're an enthusiast or someone that really, you're the guy on XDA who's flashing ROMs and you want you demand kind of the top performance, the 8 gig, 128 gig at that point becomes a much more comp compelling value because you know, in the United States, all of the Galaxy S8s with the Snapdragons are locked. Bootloaders are locked. Whereas this phone has an unlockable bootloader. So if you're the guy who's flashing things and you want to do things, you're getting the absolute best hardware and you can flash whatever you want on there and you can do anything with this phone, basically. And it has a very, very robust group of developers that are working on it. So... If you're, if you're that guy, the enthusiast, the value proposition is better for you because I just don't think there is anything else on the market that touches it from that standpoint. We've talked about this coming, kind of becoming the de facto nexus in some ways. Absolutely. So if you're an enthusiast for $539 again and you're the guy who keeps his phone for a while or tweaks it or wants to do things, this is the best value on the market for you because the other phones are locked down and you just can't get this level of hardware or anything else. 
but for the average person, I think it, the six gig is the sweet spot. It's still a very good value and probably the still the value champ for me for what you're getting. The eight gigabyte, unless you're an enthusiast, is just not as much of a value. But if you're an enthusiast, five hundred thirty nine dollars for what you're getting, cheap, cheap. very compelling package. And as I said, I mean, with the stock ROM, it's beating iPhones in the opening of application, you know, test, and that just doesn't happen very often. So it probably is the fastest phone on the planet right now. It, it's tough when you're talking about value to compare it to things like I have a family member who called me the other day and they were at a T-Mobile store and they're saying, should I choose between the LG uh, Stylo something? I don't know what it was and I didn't recommend it anyway, so I didn't particularly care. For $229, the V20 for $530 or the G6 at $500. Uh, I said, well, the G6 is a great phone for 500 bucks. Like that's that's the best phone that you can get around that price point, anyways. Uh, and they were upgrading from an LG phone, so that's why they were looking at those different devices. I might have recommended the OnePlus device. So let's take a comparison and say, if the G6 is 500, and we're comparing these two SKUs, would you pay more for the OnePlus 5 to use that device, or would you pay less and get the 64 gig? Uh, six gig of RAM variant, or would you pick the G6 because you think it's superior to the OnePlus 5? That's a tough question. I'm an enthusiast and I like having the newest, shiniest, most powerful thing, so I probably would spend the money and get an 8 gig, 128 gig OnePlus 5. But if I were just a normal person looking for a smartphone... Let's say your name is Joe, Joe Everyman... I would buy the 6 gig, uh, 64 gigabyte OnePlus 5 for $479. It still costs less. The performance is superior. Um, the camera's not quite as good, but it's good enough for me. And I value a lot of the things OnePlus is bringing to the table as far as being able to flash a ROM, having some, you know, because long term, as far as support's concerned, this is going to get, you know, updates more quickly than the G6. So long term, the value proposition's probably there for me. I really like the G6 as a phone, so that's tough to say, but this does have the newer processor as well. Um, so yeah, it, it's you know it's tough. I saw an LG V20, they were selling them brand new for $369 the other day on eBay, or $379. For that kind of money, that brings a lot to the table, but again, there's trade-offs and everything, and it's I don't like to compare retail prices of things with like flash sales, so that's a, it's, it's unfair, I think, to some degree. But yeah, if you're on T-Mobile or you're on AT&T and you're looking for an excellent phone, especially if you're looking for performance and I think uh, software support and that kind of thing, this is an excellent choice. I don't think many people will do that. Obviously, people are walking into T-Mobile and just picking whatever they have, but it's a great option. I think for most people, again, 6 gigabyte 64 is the way to go for the money, but even at the five hundred thirty-nine dollars, you're not. You're certainly. It's not a bad value. You're certainly still doing pretty well. No other phone on the planet has this spec sheet. So, if you're that guy who wants top-notch stuff, five hundred thirty-nine dollars isn't a bad price to pay for that. It kind of a steal when considered at that price point. And the only other thing that I'd mention is if you are considering it, one of the things that you'd want to take into consideration if you are Joe or Jane, every woman for that matter, um, OnePlus is a phone that you'd buy from the OEM directly. You're buying it and you're getting OnePlus's customer service. You're getting one 
OnePlus's support, and you're relying on them for their process with updates to Android. Um, when you're buying from LG, or when you're buying from HTC, when you're buying from Samsung, or when you're buying from Google, for that matter, you know that what you're getting is a fairly large company that have a long history and reputation of providing for these things. Uh, OnePlus is still a relatively new company and their track record has been a little spotty. So if you're an enthusiast, you're probably okay with doing that. And if you're going to flash your own ROMs, you really don't give a crap about that. But if you are Joe every person or Jane every person, you might want to take that into consideration. You're not going to be able to walk into a T-Mobile or AT&T store and buy it. But if you have one of those SIM cards right now, you can take it out and put it into the OnePlus 5. You just need to know that what you're getting into is a little bit of a... Uh, on your own for that kind of thing. Their support has not been great. You can find horror stories on their forums, as a matter of fact. But I would say this. I've had horrible customer service experiences now with Samsung, LG, and Motorola. So, And I've had family members that have even had bad experiences with Apple. So it seems like you can have bad experiences with any of them. And OnePlus has made an effort with this phone to have. They have in the United States kind of, it sounds like centers where they can ship you back phones and do stuff. So they do have more local support. On the software front, to your point, their tracker is again spotty. Uh, the OnePlus 2, they dropped support for pretty quickly and left those people hanging. Uh, bluntly, it was a dick move. We don't know what the track record for the OnePlus 3 and 3T is going to be yet. It's been fine so far, but now that this is out, it again, they have less resources, so it remains to be seen how well they're going to support these other phones going forward. So that's something that's going to be you're going to have to monitor. But again, the upside here is compared to those other OEMs, we know Samsung's slow. They take forever to release updates. Um, we know LG can be slow. Motorola, all of them have you know spotty track records. At least here, if you're that guy that wants to flash a ROM, you can do it. For sure. And the community is, on XDA, this is probably the best community, the OnePlus communities. Well, the Pixel's pretty strong too, but those are the best two. One other issue that I don't want to gloss over because this has come up recently is the jelly screen issue. Let's talk about it because I, I didn't want to say anything unless people have already heard about it, but since it is kind of gaining a little bit of... Uh, momentum out there in the news world. Let's let's talk about it. Tell me, uh, tell me, describe for me what the jelly effect is to your knowledge, and then tell me what your experience has been like with this device. So, for lack of a better description, the jelly screen to me looks like when you're scrolling through a list or whatever else, and you quickly change directions back and forth. The area of the screen where your fingers basically compresses like an accordion, so you actually see the image kind of compress and then expand again. It doesn't stay uniform in size. It actually looks kind of like a, a like it's bouncing almost, like a spring, like it compresses briefly and then expands back out. I've seen demos of people doing this. I can only say this, on this particular unit that I have in front of me, I've not seen it do that. Um, the touch latency on this screen is excellent and when I've been scrolling through lists, I've not seen it display this behavior. We believe the reason for this is the way uh, OnePlus built this phone, the actual connector for the screen, they, they actually flipped the screen 180 degrees. So it actually is quote unquote upside down. So most of the time the screen connector to my understanding is at the top of the screen. And in this case it's at the bottom. Now that's not necessarily a huge deal because apparently there's just a setting in the firmware that says, hey, it's flipped and it doesn't really do much. 
But I guess on AMOLED screens, and people have found this with the Pixels and even with the, the GS8s, when you flip them upside down and you start doing this, you can, you can actually recreate that behavior to some extent. So to me, it's not a big deal breaker. I haven't noticed it on this unit. I have seen videos of people and they've displayed it and I have seen it, you know, I have seen it. It is happening. OnePlus is saying it's not really a, a, a production problem or a problem with the screen and they're technically right. It's not. Um, the screen's... If, if all the devices are mounted upside down and the, the supposition for this being is that they borrowed a lot from the their parent company, Oppo, and the R11 device, which is this chassis is almost identical to it. And because of the camera module, the dual camera module itself and its placement, from a space standpoint, they had to put it upside down. Otherwise, there wouldn't have been space for the, the display connector. Um, and so that's the reason why the display is mounted upside down. I believe the initial response from OnePlus, if I saw this correctly, was, you jelly, bro? You jelly? Uh, actually, that's that's completely made up. That wasn't their first response. But the, the people who have been experiencing it uh, are very irritated by this and are very vocal about it. And there was a very, uh, in his own words, uh, harsh hit piece by uh, one of the gentlemen over at 9to5Google, uh, Stephen Hall. And uh, he basically indicated that it was in and of itself was enough for him to return the phone back to OnePlus. Yeah, and I can't speak to that. I didn't notice it. This unit may not be doing it. So to me, I've had good experience with this. I don't have much to say about this. I can't say if it would be a deal breaker to me because I haven't had it happen to me. So I don't really know what more to say about it. I, one of these, the main issue here for me is the response by OnePlus was again not great. Not ideal. It was contradictory. People were contacting the reps and they don't know what's going on. At first it was, it's not a problem. Then it was, we're going to do a software update. And then it kind of came out. XDA did a real nice piece saying, well, you know, the screen's upside down. It actually is. It's mounted differently than, than is normal because they had to make room for the dual camera module top. So they basically flipped it upside down. Um, yeah, I don't know. If you're sensitive to it or you get one with that, I wouldn't blame you, I suppose, for returning it. I, again, I wish I could speak more to this. It clearly is an issue. I've seen it on video. It's out there. People don't like it. Yeah, yeah I don't know. It's a tough call because it is. while it is a, an effect that is reproducible, it may not be reproducible on every device. And so you'd have to take that into consideration when going to purchase it. And in in the interest of transparency, you are only able to return it within the first, I think it's 15 day windows after purchase. Because if you've had it for longer than that and you try and send it back to OnePlus, the response right now has been is they will not RMA the device for this jelly effect because it is a known issue with the display being mounted 180 degrees. So if you have it and you notice it right away and you want to make a decision on it, you need to do it quickly. Otherwise, if you get one without it, such as apparently Jesse is, uh, good on you. And you may be just in luck, uh, similar to the uh, Galaxy S8 issues with the UFS 2.0 versus UFS 2.1 storage problems. Uh, if you got the UFS 2.1, you were lucky and there's no other way really to know about it. So um, any final thoughts on the OnePlus 5? Yeah, one other thing I neglected to mention in the battery section is the dash charging. I hate non-standard charging um, standards, I guess for lack of a better word. This is using Oppo's version of fast charging. I forget what it's called. 
but for OnePlus, they call it Dash. So on the upside, though, it charges insanely fast with the provided charger. Dash! Oh! Yeah. Defender of your battery. It's it's insane. And the other nice thing here is, as they've out, outlined, the charger itself is a pretty good-sized unit, and the heat is held there, so it's not... When you're charging the phone, it doesn't heat up. All the heat's kind of in the charging piece. So it charges at a million miles an hour and it doesn't heat up. So it's great from that perspective. The only bummer part is if you want to buy an extra charger or one for your car, you have to rely on getting something from OnePlus. I know a lot of people were frustrated. I think the car charger has been in and out of stock. Well, <laughs> let me rephrase, has been mostly out of stock for like the better part of six months and people can't get them. I've seen a lot of frustration on the forums about this. So again, I, I hate non-standard standards. Uh, I'm gonna use that term here. It's very impressive for what it does, but it is kind of a bummer that you can only buy chargers from them. They're kind of expensive. So Agreed. Uh, mixed bag there. But if you, you know, when you're using the included charger, you really don't have to worry about battery much because you could plug it in for 20 minutes and I think get, you know, 40% of your battery back. So it's impressive stuff. That's good. That's and, really good. You know, overall, overall thoughts again, this is a very, very solid phone across the board. And there's, you can always nitpick things. I can nitpick things on any phone. I can nitpick things on my, you know, this the S8 Plus was $850 plus tax, and it's like, you can find things that aren't perfect on it. So the Pixel XL, people complain about the bezels. The iPhone, people complain about the bezels and, you know, no wireless charging and still slow charging, for God's sake. So you can pick, you know, pick apart phones for a variety of things, and the OnePlus is no different. You can pick it apart if you want to. But if you're just looking for a phone that does virtually everything really, really well, and it's a good deal, this is a great phone. I, I really don't know what else to say. It's, it's really well-rounded. And I think that's kind of where I'm at with it, too. I think if, if we were going to say anything in summation, it would be that the OnePlus 5 is a really good phone with some compromises, but at the price point, I think that that's basically what, you're, what you've come to expect. You can pay more and get more of a phone, but if you want to get... Uh, 90% of a flagship at 60% of the price, then the OnePlus is probably for you. This is the Alamo for them as far as price goes, though. They, this is it. If Literally, if this thing gets $20 more expensive for the two SKUs, so we would be at $499, uh, $559 at that point, it's too expensive. So it's been creeping up in price. I think it still is a compelling deal at the price that it is now, but they can't really go any higher. It is simply not as good of a deal as the OnePlus 3 was. And if it if it gets more expensive next year, it just becomes like every other phone. And the things that it, the emissions, the things that it doesn't have, the corners that it does cut, become pretty glaring at that point. Things like no SD card support and no IP sixty ish rating of water and dust resistance. Right, and not any you know it has a lot of bezel, for instance, too. So yeah. next year, I would expect them to hold the line with pricing. If they go any higher they've they've become everyone else and when you start comparing it against everyone else the emissions that it does have i think it would be a lot harder to recommend i agree absolutely agree uh i want to thank you first for ignoring the really bad flash gordon joke i made and also thank you our listening audience for putting up with the really bad flash gordon joke i just made um anything else before we sign off
Jesse, thank you for always getting the newest OnePlus and letting us use it. You're a generous guy. Big shout, Jesse. Thank you, man. Uh, I look forward to the OnePlus 6 next year. Or the OnePlus 5T later on this year. I, they, again, they can do that if they want. It better not cost a dollar more than this. I concur. And with that, if you have any additional questions or want to know some more about the OnePlus 5, feel free to hit our inbox. We're at silicontheory at gmail.com. You can find all of our musings at silicontheory.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at silicontheory. I'm going to have a couple of other extras for the Instagram account, so be sure to check that out. Uh, Thanks for, for listening, everybody, and we will talk tech soon. It's been fun, guys. See you again soon. Good night.